Welcome to The Inner Room, a study where we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the instructions and examples they provide to learn mastery of our emotions, to guide us in our spiritual journey, to learn to pray, worship, and listen to God's will for our lives. You have to forgive the technical difficulties I had on the last episode. I had to unpublish it, and here we go again, publishing it again. I am uh, reading from 1 Timothy, from the second chapter. We move from Colossians to 1 Timothy as uh, we continue reading from uh, the readings of St. Paul. We are reading from Psalm 28 today, where we look at God listening to our prayers. And it is a really fitting psalm for Luke chapter 7, where Jesus encounters Uh, the faith of the centurion, not the centurion himself, and cures somebody that works in his household through the faith that he expresses. So we want to connect these three readings and connect them to our ability to pray, which is the purpose of our episodes. How do we analyze the first letter of Timothy chapter 2? Well, we find a template for how to pray. First, says Paul, I ask the supplications, prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings. When we approach the throne of God, we cover ourselves in the blood of Jesus Christ. We approach with blessings and adoration and thanksgiving. And then we make our prayers of supplication and petition. And what he says is that he's offering those for everyone. And he's offering them for kings and people in authority. Are you doing the same thing today? Are you praying for our nation? Are you praying for our government? Are you praying that the hearts of the, of the governmental structures may be aligned to the heart of God? Well, Paul says that we, we do that, then we may lead a quiet and tranquil life in devotion and dignity. If we don't do that, then people start creating laws that go against what God wants. We see this in the Bible over and over in the story of Israel, and it is happening today again, right? Around the world, we see laws enacted that go against God's wishes, against God's statutes, against God's commandments. So praying for kings and all in authority is pleasing to God our Savior because he wills everyone to be saved and come to knowledge and to truth. Today, in the, if you turn the news on, which I haven't done as much lately because there's such craziness going on with political division that I have taken to prayer. But every once in a while, we have to know what's happening because we have to vote, we have to be informed, we have to stand up for truth. And this is what Paul is saying. Everyone needs to be saved, and everyone needs to come to knowledge of the truth, that there's one God, that there's one mediator, and that God gave himself, Jesus gave himself as ransom for all. Are you sharing the news of the gospel with others? Because there's so many people around us that are trying to find happiness in all the wrong places. And we have to extend the kingdom of God And we do that through our own life. We do that also by sharing with those that do not know God. Paul continues that this was the testimony that there's one God and one mediator who gave himself for us. At the proper time, 
And he says, I am appointed as teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So what is your purpose? Where have you been appointed? Is it in your college room? Is it in the boardroom? Is it in the market? Is it in the tennis court? Where have you been appointed that you can find others that need to learn about the truth that you know? Uh, Paul ends this uh, section of, of chapter two by saying, it is my wish that in every place, everyone should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Boy, do we need to take that advice today because it's so easy to find arguments and anger and not really come to any ability to converse in a democratic and an open way. Very quickly, our conversations these days end up in arguments or anger. So we always look at the Psalm, Psalm 28 today, as a way to learn how to pray. We look at verse 8, and that's our refrain. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard our prayer. Isn't it amazing, friends, that we have a Father in heaven that listens to our prayers? Who are we that he listens to our prayers? The Psalm says, hear the sound of my pleading when I cry to you, lifting up my hands towards your holy shrine. This is the same thing that Paul writes in the first letter of Timothy. And then these beautiful words from Psalm 28, the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him, my heart trusts and I find help. If you find yourself in a difficult situation, maybe you're doing exams, you're preparing for a difficult paper, maybe you're preparing a presentation for you know a sales meeting, or maybe you have a parent-teacher conference where you have to go meet the teacher about something that has happened, or maybe you are, are with your family members uh, projecting something, creating some kind of event where there's difficulties, find that the Lord is our strength and our shield and that our hearts can trust in him, that our, our hearts can exult with songs and thanksgiving because the Lord is the refuge of the anointed. Isn't that very beautiful? I hope that you're using the Psalms in your prayers. If you're using the Liturgy of the Hours, we review the, the Psalms very frequently, and that's a very beautiful way to pray. But don't you find the story of the centurion in Luke chapter 7 amazing? I love that story. The words that he says, I am not worthy that you would come under my roof, are repeated at the most sacred moment of the liturgy when we are in the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist and we join the words of the centurion and we say we are not worthy. I have fond memories of my father at the hospital before he was dying. He would receive daily communion. And I remember that he didn't have strength for a lot, but he had strength to say these words, I am not worthy that you would come under my roof. So many times at church, I say them in Spanish because I remember him saying them in the hospital. So I have very fond connections of this reading to my own life. But look at the movement of this reading. A centurion had a worker that was ill, about to die, and he cared for him. So he hears about Jesus and he sent elders of the Jews to him. So he's a man of authority, such authority that he's sending elders of the Jews about somebody who works in his household, asking him to come and save this life. Now, 
oftentimes we just pass by the details of the story because they're so quick, right? The verses of the Bible are so quick. So we do well by stopping and paying attention to the detail. The centurion doesn't go himself. He sends the elders of the Jews. That in itself is amazing because the centurion is an invader of a land and he is sending for someone that is actually being persecuted by the elders of the Jews. So what kind of a man was this centurion that he believes in Jesus and has enough influence to send the elders of the Jews to find them, to save somebody that works in his household? What kind of a heart are we seeing here? Somebody that has authority but uses it for good somebody that doesn't really look at the boundaries of life and stays within them based on antagonistic, argumentative, angry views. I'm the invader. You are the invaded. But he is looking at love. I love my worker, and I know this man can do something for me, and I'm going to send these people that are his people. I don't know. Does he know that they're actually persecuting him? Well, they approach Jesus, and we hear they strongly urge him to come. What do they say? He deserves to have you do this, for he loves our nation, and he built the synagogue for us. Wow. Here is an invader that has respected the faith of the Jews, has shown love for the nation, and now is a man of influence. And he is calling for Jesus. So what does Jesus do? He goes with them. We don't know what he says or what feelings he has. But he's going with people that we know are persecuting him many times in the stories, right? And when he's a short distance from the house, now the centurion sends friends. He doesn't go. He says, do not trouble yourself. I am not worthy that you'll enter. So you can imagine that he had people out there that would have come to the house to tell him, yes, yes, they could speak with Jesus, the elders could, and now he's on his way. He's on his way. And now he says, go, go, go back. Tell him I'm not worthy that you would come under my roof. I'm not worthy even to be in your presence. That sentence today got me so deeply. I went to confession. I realize how many times do I approach the Eucharist with a very different attitude than the centurion. And I just wanted to say it out loud. I just wanted to say, I do not always receive communion with the reverence of the centurion. And I just want to say to God, I adore you, Father. And I confess this openly so that you will deal with me with mercy, please. Aren't we lucky that we get to turn our hearts and be covered in the blood of Jesus that already saved us and receive that saving grace over and over? Well, he tells Jesus, the centurion, that, say a word and my servant will be healed. I am a person of authority and soldiers are subject to me. I say go to one and they go and come and they come. Jesus is listening to the words of the centurion through the friends. He's following the elders. Do you picture this? It's an amazing story. And that's exactly what Jesus is. He is amazed at the centurion 
Now he turns to the crowd. We've got these three audiences, right? The friends of the centurion, the elders of the Jews, and now there's a crowd following. And Jesus addresses us. I've not even, I've not found the faith like this, even in Israel. And when they find the messengers return to the house, they find that the slave is in good health. Friends, let us go to the throne. Adonai, you are the Almighty. You are still speaking from the east to the west. And we come to your throne with thanksgiving and praise. We ask that you cover us in the blood of Jesus Christ from head to toe. And that you help us to speak words of faith like this centurion. That others around us, baffled by the love of our hearts for you, for your nation, for your people, may bring others to the truth, Father. That in this moment when there are so many difficulties, Father, that we may be people of light and love and justice and truth. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus, the Lord. Amen. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and I welcome you to this inner room. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the inner room, Emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas, or your comments. Thank you for joining us today.